Well, hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of On Point. And it's my absolute pleasure uh, today to have the co-director of the Israel Institute of New Zealand, Dr. David Kuman, along uh, to talk to us about what's really the issue du jour, the issue of the day, the issue of the week, uh, which is the conflict uh, around Israel, Gaza, the West Strip, a, a huge, huge issue. So David, welcome along. Thank you very much for having me, Simon. Well, no, thank you. And look, thanks for the advocacy and the work that uh, you and the Institute uh, do. And I thought there were no better people, in this case, you to turn to uh, and have a chat around um, what's happening and why. So um, could you take a, a little bit of time to tell us and the listeners, yeah, what is happening uh, in Israel at the moment? Sure. I, I, without a, a huge history, I think it's important to go back a couple of weeks. Um, and really, the threat of violence was made uh, just before Mahmoud Abbas decided to cancel the Palestinian elections. Uh, this is something that's not really talked about a lot, but um, Hamas actually threatened violence back then because they uh, thought that they might have a chance at um, gaining ground in the political battle that's going on internally within the Palestinian society. Um, but once again, um, Mahmoud Abbas cancelled the elections and um, blamed Israel, of course, for that. Um, he's now in his 16th year of what was meant to be a, a three or four year term. Um, Hamas has decided to use um, every single event to try and gain political power. And the way that they do that is through violence. That's in their charter. They have a clear raison d'etre of destroying Israel and killing Jews. And the Sheikh Jarrah uh, case um, was the flashpoint that they decided to exaggerate and use for incitement. I won't go into too much detail um, unless listeners are, are interested, but the long and the short of it is it's been a decades-long legal dispute over um, a few houses in an area in East Jerusalem. Uh, in 1982, the courts accepted that Jews owned those houses because they had proof. And they had a very um, interesting ruling where they said that the tenants were protected tenants and could not be evicted um, from those homes because they had lived there for um, many years. Because uh, as long as, sorry, they paid their rent and they didn't destroy the, the property. And for the last 40 years, they haven't been paying their rent. Um, and so the courts have ordered uh, um, an eviction notice that's being appealed. So it's now before the Supreme Court. This is an internal... Uh, dispute that is before the Supreme Court now, um, and to avoid even more flare-ups, Israel has decided to delay that Supreme Court hearing. But nevertheless, Hamas decided to uh, exaggerate that and make sure that um, there was violence to, to further increase their political capital. They also orchestrated riots on the Temple Mount. Um, there were uh, video and, and, and images of, of young Muslims stockpiling rocks and uh, fireworks and rioting uh, and setting things alight um, up on the Temple Mount by Al-Aqsa that led to Israeli police having to go in and disperse the crowds and calm things down. Uh, and of course, the um, presence of Israelis and Jews on the Temple Mount, which is the holiest site in Judaism, has for many years been used as incitement. Um, and the, the lie that Israel was desecrating Al-Aqsa um, is being used to inflame the situation and stir up deep religious hatred um, and violence. And there were riots across Israel um, in mixed cities. 
just before that, there were also Arabs who were posting videos of uh, them attacking Jews at random on TikTok. Uh, and there was civil unrest, um, all leading from the cancellation of the Palestinian elections. Uh, and then we saw the rockets being fired from Gaza. So uh, at the moment, uh, three and a bit days uh, of rocket firing, there's been more than two and a half thousand rockets fired from Gaza, from civilian areas into Israeli civilian areas. And, and some of these rockets now are, are more sophisticated and can reach much further into Israel. There are millions of Israelis who have been under attack for the last three days, spending the night in their bomb shelters, um, having to stop on the side of the road and crawl into the ditch to protect themselves when the sirens go off. Uh, and the Iron Dome has done an, a miraculous job um, of protecting many Israelis. But the sheer volume this time of the, the rockets coming from Gaza uh, has meant that some of those rockets have got through. Um, and and we've seen some fatalities and we've seen some damage. Um, uh, and some of the rockets have fallen short as well. Um, and they've also killed Palestinians in Gaza uh, and, and cut off the power supply to parts of Gaza. Um, no country would sit still and not do anything when they are attacked by such a degree, and Israel uh, did uh, go in and target the rocket sites, target Hamas infrastructure, target the uh, intelligence units uh, of Hamas to, to try and um, stop the rockets and stop them for a long time. Uh, and that is what we're seeing on the news at the moment. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible on all sides, and Hamas, the terrorist organization, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the other terrorist organization in Gaza, are completely responsible. Oh, look, it is awful. I think, look, there's quite a bit to unpack there, um, but thank you for the, the summation, because I think one thing we should get to, as well as how this has been portrayed, because I don't know about you, um, a lot of the, the reporting seems quite uh, skewed, including here in New Zealand. But if we go back to the, the starting point, Look, there's a huge history here, but the latest catalyst, would it be fair to say, really is the tension between Fatah and, and Hamas and their own political battle? Is that a fair summation? Have I missed something there? No, I, I think that's entirely right. The, the, the threat of violence was made just before uh, Mahmoud Abbas of the Fatah party decided to cancel the elections. Um, Hamas said very clearly, if you cancel the elections, we will commit violence. We will um, resist, is their word. Uh, so it's it's a very large part to do with that. Um, and of course, uh, the, the, the history is undeniable that both of those groups, um, and in fact, all of the Palestinian leadership is vehemently opposed to Israel um, uh, existing. And Hamas in its charter is explicit that they want to destroy Israel, that they issue any negotiations or, or peace treaties. Um, and they cite anti-Semitic literature in their charter um, to the point where uh, they essentially say they want to kill Jews. Um, it's convenient that their charter in, in murdering Jews and destroying Israel lines up with their political ambition and tensions with Fatah. And I mean, there's been huge tension between those two groups for a while. Is it, again, Hamas seized control of Gaza quite bloodily a good few years ago. Is that right? Yeah, it's exactly right. So there were, there were elections 2005, um, 2006, and uh, Hamas won some seats um, in the Palestinian Authority. Um, but then they uh, murdered political rivals, uh, threw them off buildings, dragged them behind um, vehicles, uh, and executed them summarily in the streets. 
and took over uh, the Gaza Strip uh, at that time, and they've they've maintained control ever since. Um, and even now, we've we're hearing reports of of political opponents to Fatah being executed in Gaza. Um, that hasn't made the news because of the rockets and the the other violence. But um, there's a terror group that is in control uh, of two million people in the Gaza Strip. And I think it's just really important for one element to draw out for listeners is to understand that you know often these, um, if you will, foreign actions, in this case Hamas attacking uh, the sovereign state of Israel, is often reflective of internal problems. And so, yeah, that internal problems with the Palestinian leadership uh, spilling over. I thought the other point that was really important you touched on is that actually the, the issue of land in East Jerusalem is being and is continuing to be uh, dealt with through the courts, through a rule of law process, which this violence is attempting to circumvent. Exactly. And and this is one of the, the real disappointments of the New Zealand government is uh, the tweet that our foreign minister put out said that she wanted there to be calm on all sides um, and she was concerned about evictions. Um, and and quite frankly, the, the focus on a legal dispute um, within the Israeli courts that's before the Supreme Court at the moment, as opposed to clearly condemning terror, is an indictment on our country's leadership. Oh, look, I would, I would agree. I mean, the, the irony, if I could put it that way, is probably far too diplomatic as, uh, you know, the New Zealand Superfund uh, is very quick uh, to raise issues around where it invests, including with Israel. But uh, then our foreign ministry, oh, no, we, we, foreign minister, we can't possibly say anything about a terrorist group lobbying thousands of missiles or um, rockets into into a country. The, the, the double standard is, is quite striking. Yeah, I, th- I think those two issues are related in the way that you describe, but they're also quite separate. The um, I, I won't go I won't go into it any further, but um, suffice to say that both the the military groups Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad that have been firing two and a half thousand rockets from behind civilians into civilian areas are designated terror entities in New Zealand. And the fact that our uh, our leadership can't acknowledge that those are the real problems here is is deeply disappointing. So can we be clear on that for listeners, that New Zealand, like other countries, has designated Hamas as a terrorist organisation? <laughs> Not entirely. Um, <laughs> only what, what New Zealand considers the military wing of Hamas. Um, uh, in much the same way that New Zealand only designates the military wing of Hezbollah as a terrorist organisation. Uh, it, it, it's a loophole, in effect. Um, it's, a, it's a cowardly loophole. Um, but still, the the military wing of Hamas are the ones firing the rockets at the moment. Um, and even if there is that loophole, the, the government should be condemning terror, clearly. Well, I, I must say from my own side and with my own constituents, uh, including those within the, the Jewish and Israeli community, have been shocked at how uh, silent New Zealand is, particularly when you know the Prime Minister and others speak often of human rights and kindness and even around context of the Christchurch call and so forth, you know, we're going to try and stop terror, yet there's almost silence coming from New Zealand. Yeah, and I, I have to say, unfortunately, um, that silence has been since at least 2006. Um, the last minister of a New Zealand government that has clearly condemned terror, believe it or not, was Helen Clark in 2006. Uh, it's 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 an indictment on on our leadership and on our country. Um, and you're right. The the um, 
the language that's used about kindness and and um, against terrorism and against human rights violations, etc., uh, just doesn't seem to extend to um, when Jews are under attack, um, particularly in Israel. And I think the the other thing that listeners might not know about um, is the fact that New Zealand actually funds some of the incitement. Uh, we give a million dollars of our taxpayer money to a, an organization that runs schools in the Arab world, including in uh, the West Bank and in Gaza, that teaches children that violence is appropriate, that martyrdom is an aspiration, uh, and that Jews are less than human. Um, and I think this is something that uh, has been going on for a long time, uh, and there are countries now that are stopping the practice, and New Zealand, uh, I would hope, won't be once again out of step with our traditional allies, if not leading. Oh, I agree. I posted actually on social media the other day that the EU has pulled back its funding from that UN organisation known by the acronym UNRWA to those who are listening. Uh, something uh, that I've raised in select committee uh, as well on the Foreign Affairs Select Committee here to our Ministry of Foreign Affairs, people saying, why on earth is New Zealand part of this? And why don't we just hold the funding uh, until they sort it out? But there's a, a reluctance, but uh, something I'm continuing to follow up because I think it's, it's wrong on a moral front, um, first and foremost, uh, but it's something that has to be called out consistently. And I, I would stress too, Dave, because I think it is important for listeners to note that you know, no government red or blue in recent years has necessarily um, held its head up high on, on these issues. And I can just think of, is it UN Resolution 2334 uh, that was done during a, a national uh, government? So I think it's really important for me to say, and particularly for listeners to know, that I don't sit on a political side that thinks that, you know, one side of the political spectrum in New Zealand's got it right and the other wrong. Yeah, that that's very humble of you, Simon. And, and I think you should be applauded for the work that you're doing on, on this front and the moral clarity that you bring to the picture. So at the moment, coming to the whole New Zealand side, we've been rather mute. Um, I've seen the likes of uh, the UK, uh, I think the UK, Canada, uh, America, Australia have certainly spoken out uh, strongly. Has there been quite a, yeah, again, most of our allies have spoken up quite strongly in support of Israel. Is that right? Yeah, there's been a whole host of liberal democratic countries around the world, and there's not that many of them um, that have been very clear in support of Israel's right to defend itself and very clear in condemnation of the terrorism that's being carried out. Uh, New Zealand has not been one of those. Um, we haven't joined uh, Canada, the UK, uh, Austria, the US, Estonia, a whole bunch of EU other countries. Um, uh, you know, liberal democratic countries, uh, we are once again apparently an outlier uh, for reasons that escape me. Oh, it's one of the things I just cannot fathom at times of why New Zealand as a, if not even progressive liberal democracy, if I'm not putting too many adjectives in, uh, is not supporting a progressive liberal democracy um, in the Middle East. And we might come to that a bit later when we talk about the likes of uh, Green Party MPs and what they've been saying and it's just such a strange mindset of what they're supporting and what they're, they're against. But if I could just jump back to something you mentioned earlier, which is ultimately um, these rockets. My understanding is, as you said, two and a half thousand of them, some homemade, some now industrialized, which in indicates that this is not just uh, some guy or, or girl making a, a rocket in their backyard. They've been given technology 
uh, from somewhere. And a lot of the intel and suggestions is that Iran is playing a very strong hand here. Is that something I can well put to you? Yeah, no, I think that it's a very important point um, and something that I, I didn't really touch on. Um, Hamas is, is supported heavily by Iran, um, funding and technology. And like you say, the rockets that I, I alluded to going much further than they ever have before um, are from Iran. There's no doubt about it. Um, this is an Iranian proxy um, terror group in Gaza, much like Hezbollah is an Iranian terror group uh, to the north of Israel. Um, and ultimately, um, Iran has a huge role to play um, in this conflict. I think it's important to be said, when I was in the Middle East, ooh, probably four years ago, um, flying over the Arabian or the Persian Gulf, depending on someone's preference, um, interesting to see uh, the, the various military um, build-ups and activities of the Iranians uh, in particular. I mean, obviously can't see everything they're doing, but it was just quite quite striking observing that and then you know, beginning to understand more the proxy wars, which they're they're happy to fight, and that's why I thought it was important to raise again for listeners to understand that these rockets are not what we use on November 5th for Guy Fawkes. These are dangerous. Mm. A lot are homemade, but others are far more sophisticated, which points to, um, well, a sophisticated country allowing this. And the other point is about a third of them are dropping on Gaza itself. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, th those are some estimates. Uh, the IDF put out a number of about 400 um, that they've counted fallen short. Uh, and um, those are, uh, are devastating because there's no Iron Dome to protect um, the innocent people in Gaza from the terror group that ruled them. Uh, and we've seen seven children in one explosion that were killed by the rockets. Um, some of the power and infrastructure has also been um, uh, cut because of them. Uh, you know, it's it's it really is a, a triple war crime. Um, first of all, they're shooting from behind their civilians. Secondly, they're shooting into civilian areas in Israel. And thirdly, they're falling short into their own territory civilian areas. Uh, it's, it's appalling. And, and we need to condemn it in the strongest terms um, and support Israel as they fight against this terror group. I think that's the important thing to keep, certainly from my end as well here in New Zealand or us here in New Zealand, is that, yeah, it's a terrorist group uh, and it's operating against a state. And I think a lot of New Zealanders just need to do the thought experiment of how they would feel. Um, if right now in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, wherever, uh, rockets were, were falling. Um, and what would we do? And I, yeah, what would we do? And sitting back, I don't think it's an option, which some of our people here seem to think uh, should be happening, that nothing uh, should happen. And so on that, I mean, how are you finding the reporting here in, in New Zealand? In your mind, is it relatively accurate, completely, <laughs> completely amiss? Um. I remember back in, in 2014 um, when there was uh, a similar um, set of attacks from Gaza um, and a, a similar response from Israel, and the media reporting here was um, intolerable uh, in its one-sidedness and its bias. I, I, I actually think some of the media reporting uh, at the moment has been okay, um, but um, most of it, unfortunately, still has uh, a bias. and. You know, there, there are many good reasons um, potentially for that. Um, part of it is no New Zealand reporter uh, is over there or has a good understanding of the region as far as I'm aware. Um, and so they bring in news reports from elsewhere. Um, and uh, I think for, for listeners reading the news reports, there's, there's two major points that I, I think is worth addressing um, 
and talking about. The first is this idea of proportionality. Um, and uh, it, it's used very laissez-faire uh, because it has a very legal definition about what is proportional response to terror or, or to acts of violence. Um, and it's not the body count. Um, it's not that there should be the same number of dead on each side. Uh, that's a grotesque and morbid uh, proposal. Um, the idea is that the response should be to target the military infrastructure and um, disable that to protect civilians and to protect civilians while it while that's happening. And that's exactly what we've seen from the IDF. The reason that there are these amazing images of buildings being flawed is because there's so much warning given about it that the media teams have time to go to a rooftop somewhere else and set up their cameras and wait for it to happen. They know when it's going to happen. They know that they're safe on that rooftop uh, to report from. Um, and, and so it's very clear that there's been a protection of civilians and that the targets are military targets. Um, and the second point, I think, is, is again, this, fi this fixation on body counts um, and the number of dead on each side as if that carries some moral weight. Uh, what we learned in 2014 in its most extreme form and, and in many of the, the conflicts before then uh, is that the vast majority of Palestinians who are killed by Israeli strikes are militants. The vast, vast majority of them are, and it's tragic that there are non-combatants that uh, you know are killed in some of these strikes, um, or by Hamas rockets falling short. But the IDF does everything in its power, and and Colonel Kemp is is the strongest uh, person on this, an ex-British Defence Force veteran uh, who has been there, has stayed in command and control centres, has been on the front lines, and he says there is no other army in the world that does so much to protect civilian lives on both sides um, as Israel. One of the things that we can see, regardless of where the media goes, support or otherwise, is that enormous, enormous uh, focus is put on the IDF uh, and what it does. Um, and it's very much um, aware of that. I'm um, turning more, well, back rather to New Zealand then, um, I'm thinking of some of the statements of, of late um, and some of the activities. So we're going a bit wider here than just the conflict itself, but um, certainly how it's been reflected uh, in Parliament by some of our parliamentarians. We've had um, Green MPs turn up to a pro-Palestinian um, rally. Um, and uh, I think it was Ricardo from the Greens saying, you know, from the sea to the river, um, Palestine must be free. I mean, a, a grotesque trope or a, a grotesque... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for uh, listeners who don't understand what a trope is, but a, a theme with god-awful um, connotations. And then a couple of days prior, we had Labour and Green MPs. Um, is it the kafiyah? I'm not sure how the yeah. right, the Palestinian scarf. Um, and just some of the ironies at, at play there. That, And again, I'm a national MP, so I've got my own bias. But I'm looking at it going, here are guys who, um, like the Greens comment, they are promoting what's a, a, a well. Am I right in saying the the whole you know Palestine from the river to the sea is a, a Hamas uh, chartered philosophy to wipe Israel off the map? Or have I got something misguided there? No, I, I mean we only need to look at the words and and unpack that sentence to see what it means. Um, from the river to the sea is from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, and that is all of the land of Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank. 
every single piece of land is from the river to the sea. The reason it's called the West Bank, by the way, is because it's the West Bank of the Jordan River. So from the river to the sea, to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine will be free. There's no room for Israel in that slogan, in that statement. There's no room for a Jewish state in that statement. So at the very most generous reading of from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It's a one state solution that is Palestine with no place for Israel. The slogan, I think, was actually first used by the PLO, um, but it's been co-opted by Hamas and and all sorts of other radical groups um, as a a war cry, um, as a a genocidal intent that not only uh, is there no place for Israel, but there's no place for Jews. Um, And of course, that makes perfect sense because right now in the areas that the Palestinian Authority control and and that Hamas control in Gaza, there is no room for Jews. It's... It's illegal for Jews to even buy land. Um, and goodness knows what would happen if someone decided to try and live um, there as uh, as a Jew wanting to um, live in the land. So from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, is a call for the erasure of Israel. And it has come to mean, or it means, the ethnic cleansing of Jews from the area. It's why I was so shocked to see not only that the words had been used. And look, I'm a free speech advocate. People, they want to use them, they can use them But um, as such. But I was shocked that he, this MP from the Green Party, along with his colleagues and retweeting it, uh, were very happy to align themselves with such a genocidal and I would say anti-Semitic approach and almost celebrate it. And then to have other New Zealanders celebrating it, it it's, it's just horrid. It is. It, it absolutely is. And I think um, uh, this is bigger than just uh, one or two Green MPs. Um, uh, Ricardo might not have known what it meant entirely, um, but it's been 24 hours and he, he hasn't apologised or withdrawn it. Um, I would be very surprised if his colleague Golriz Garaman uh, wasn't aware of it, given her interest um, in the conflict. Um, but actually, they're just echoing the chance that we hear at these I don't call them pro-Palestinian. I call them anti-Israel rallies because there's nothing pro-Palestinian about them. They are completely anti-Israel. And unfortunately, what we've seen in New Zealand um, over the years has been those sorts of chants. We've heard chants stone the Zionists. We've heard people who have felt emboldened to get up in the middle of them and yell, bash the Jews. We've seen ISIS uh, symbols. We've seen Hezbollah uh, symbols. Um, These are festering anti-Semitic rallies um, where people uh, incite themselves and whip up a frenzy. And overseas at the moment, um, there have been synagogues defaced. There has been a 250% increase in anti-Semitic incidents in the UK, for example. Um, Israeli flags burnt outside of synagogues in Germany uh, and far more egregious chants at the rallies there, including things like Hamas, Hamas, Jews to the gas, yelled in, in Germany. These are these are hate fests um, that go on under the guise of pro-Palestinianism. Uh, and it is deeply disappointing and concerning. Um, it, it's gut-wrenching um, to see some of our elected leaders not only participate, but encourage it. Oh, I... As I posted um, earlier today, um, it's it's just disgusting. And the it, again, it's probably too diplomatic a word, but the irony of of those who are promoting such vile 
evil uh, almost concepts uh, to harm a group of people are the, are the very ones who talk about the kindness and generosity and tolerance and, and diversity, and yet here they are uh, using the words of terrorist groups and actively supporting them. I mean, it, the hypocrisy yep. is just so striking. Yeah, well, I mean, even last week we heard Golruz say that uh, words are very important um, when the debate about whether or not to um, call the, the Chinese activities genocide was going on. Um, and she was very sanctimonious about how important words were. Uh, and yet she has used this, the false slur of ethnic cleansing to refer to that legal dispute in East Jerusalem before. Um, she's used the words massacre and illegal forced displacement. Um you know, a, a couple of years ago, the Holocaust Center called her out for her, her incorrect, inflammatory and grotesque use of the word genocide. Um, so for all the talk of words mattering, um, if they do, then she is anti-Semitic. Well, it seems that a number of people, including those we're talking about, to me, almost lose their head and any reason when it comes to, to Palestine. Uh, it's sort of become, a, it's probably again the wrong phrase, but it's almost the cause celeb now, the, the prop, that if you are sort of on the radical left, um, you've got to embrace uh, a pro-Palestine, anti-Israel um, positioning. A and it just gets so rapid. It's intense and emotional, nasty, vindictive. I just, I just don't understand it. But, I mean, is that something you're, you're seeing yeah, it, it, it's it's deeply concerning. And I, I, the best example, I think, of that is the UK. Um, there was a UK Labour Party conference um, where there were pictures taken of the crowd and throughout the auditorium, there must have been thousands of people packed into this um, uh, theatre, there were Palestinian flags being flown. There were no Union Jacks at a UK Labour Party conference. There were Palestinian flags being flown. Um, this was at a time when Jeremy Corbyn was leader and there were clear uh, issues of anti-Semitism within the party. Um, yeah, it, it makes no sense, though, because Israel is a liberal democratic country with freedoms for all of its citizens. And the Palestinian Authority has not had elections in the last 16 years. The terror group Hamas rules Gaza. They don't tolerate political dissent, let alone homosexuality or the freedom of expression and speech that that we hold dear, um, and and yet these these people who otherwise would hold the same values as Israel um, find it convenient to to single it out. Um, you know, it's it's it's, it's a disease. Oh, and it's something that has to look like anything. It has to be um, light strongly shone on it and the, the inconsistencies exposed. I think without getting too philosophical, I think this is just illustrative of the great problems we have with that concept of intersectionality, intersectionality, where all of a sudden certain groups um, have more rights or others. And how on earth, particularly the Ricardos and the Chloes and the Golrises uh, and others, can at one level promote uh, progressive liberal, open, tolerant societies like we're used to in New Zealand or Israel, and then on the next hand, supporting groups like Hamas um, and who don't share those values at all. And you go, well, yeah. where's the consistency in this? Again, that funny intersection. And I suppose it's a worrying thing for me that reason is lost in this debate. And I've seen on my own um, social media, David, just and you must get it even uh, more through the Institute and the Holocaust Foundation and others, the vileness 
the vindictive nastiness of people. And I better be clear, I'm not sitting in a corner crying. It's just, I look at these people and go, how can you be so nasty and intolerant while preaching into- uh, tolerance, sorry, preaching tolerance, and yet when it comes to the question of Israel, so much hatred? Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And um, you can't help but wonder where it all comes from. And the um, the only analogy that I have is the way that Jews were treated in the past. Um, and many people have made this comparison uh, to the point where it's summed up very nicely by the Israeli um, uh, philosopher uh, who said that the state of, uh, sorry, the, the, the nation of the Jews has become the Jew of the nations. Mm, that's actually quite profound. Yeah, um, it really is if you think about it. And and the best place to see this is, is not with the rockets coming from Hamas or, or the, the lack of some people who call themselves progressive to stand up for it. Um, the best place is to see that at the United Nations um, where there are... 20 or more resolutions against Israel in any given year and only six against any other country specifically uh, um, combined around the world. Um, And the level of hatred and vilification of Israel at the United Nations, uh, I think, is the best example of that pithy uh, aphorism. And New Zealand plays a role in that as well. It's, It's shameful. Oh, it is. And I, I think it's something that New Zealand has to be constantly challenged, both New Zealanders and, and our government, again, of any political colour. But I think uh, for me, too, it shows that actually, particularly Western countries, who seem obsessed with this topic, um, haven't actually come to terms with the decisions that they've made over uh, many, many uh, decades and, and centuries. It's um, it's very worrying, I suppose, the the underlying threats of violence and aggression, not just that's happening in Israel at the moment, um, but in these Western societies too, doesn't matter if it's New Zealand, Australia, the UK, that the the violence of language and sometimes deed in, in protesting against Israel, um, very worrying in a, a properly functioning liberal democracy. Yeah, it really is. And I think one of the, the great ironies, um, especially at the moment, is the last year has seen... Um, some of the most historic moves towards peace in the Middle East. The, the Abraham Accords, the, the peace with Sudan, Morocco, for example, uh, has seen the Arab world come to accept Israel more as an equal uh, among the nations. Um, and, and here we have, you know, rising anti-Semitism in the West um, and countries like New Zealand that stand out from many others as being even uh, even more opposed to Israel. Uh, it's it, it's very sad. Oh, and and worrying. I mean, again, I, I touched on it earlier. I'm a, a like yourself. I I know a, a free speech advocate. People are free to express themselves, but the lack of clarity um, at times. And I, I'm thinking particularly of the MPs that wore scarves into um, into the parliamentary chamber last week. So on one hand, okay, well, if you want to use this to show your support of the Palestinian people, that's one thing, but you should also know, and they do know clearly, it's a sign of terrorism. And yet they're happy to bring that symbol, that sign, that offensive sign to some, particularly in the Israeli and Jewish communities, into the heart of New Zealand's parliament, take photos and think it's just a, a great laugh, while I might add, lecturing the rest of us about our supposed microaggressions and tolerances um, and so forth. And it's just, 
I don't think I can fully express it here, um, but the massive contradictions in all of this and yet an inability to accept any critique or other alternative explanation, it's just very dangerous, a dangerous cocktail. Yeah, no, it really is. And and to see that picture um, while there were rockets raining down on Israel um, and and absolutely a refusal to condemn those rockets um, from some of the people wearing um, the kefir is it's it's concerning. It's deeply concerning. Well, it's one thing that um, heard the other week from someone within the community of talking about again anti-Semiticism and sort of the, the canary in the coal mine. And when we see uh, increases of that in society, all of us uh, should be concerned. All of us uh, should be concerned, and we are seeing a rise of this uh, in New Zealand. So now's the time, the best we can, to to call it out. Yeah, quite right. And unfortunately, um, uh, at the moment there is a marked increase. We've, you know, um, there's been plenty of uh, social media, but also more directed uh, letters and phone calls of threats and harassments towards Jewish communities and Jews in New Zealand, and um, Part of that, of course, is inflamed and and stirred up by the lies that are told and um, the the biased reporting of what's going on. Um, and it's it is a deeply concerning time. Um, it really is for all of us. And I just think if if the people if people want to make a comment and want to uh, show their support for either side, um, then do so with respect. Uh, do so with the truth. And the most moral thing to do is to condemn the terror groups that are not only killing Israelis, whether they be Christian, Arab, or Jewish Israelis, but also killing Gazans and and torturing Gazans um, and keeping the Palestinian population uh, in terror as well. And I think actually that's, if we might, probably a good place to to wrap up, really, because you know fundamentally. All those groups or peoples that you mentioned are all human. I suppose this reflects my own ethics. They're all human, and actually a lot of people are are suffering. But the way that we address that uh, is truth, uh, rational discussions, following the rule of law, uh, and speaking up uh, for what's right and speaking up against which is wrong. And terrorist groups lobbying thousands of rockets onto civilian populations is unacceptable totally unacceptable, but our thoughts are certainly with everyone being affected at the moment. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you for all that you're doing. Oh, and David, look, thank you for making the time uh, to speak with me and, and hopefully a good number of people uh, listen to this. And so to those who have listened, if you have uh, questions or thoughts, uh, feel free to put them in the comments. We'll do my best uh, to respond. And thank you to all uh, who are speaking and standing up uh, for Israel speaking up for what is uh, right. And again, David, thanks for your time uh, today. Thank, thank you. Uh, and if, if people have uh, questions or comments as well, we're happy to receive them at israelinstitute.nz. Uh, and um, if I may, Simon, uh, next Sunday on the 23rd of May, there will be uh, rallies to support Israel, uh, to condemn the terror uh, happening ac across um, New Zealand. So look out for more information about that. That is great to hear. So everyone, that's the 23rd of this month. And David, did you want to give out that um, website address again? Sure, israelinstitute.nz. Easy for everyone to remember. David, thanks again for your time. Thank you.